popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. Thank you, Manny. So my name is Terry Reiner. <laughs> <laughs> and um, first of all, good morning and welcome to Sales Leadership in the Digital Future. Um, I don't know why I'm scary, um, but uh, again, you know, when, when we're working with partners, I'm hearing a lot of uh, buzzwords and I'm hearing a lot of stories and, and people don't really act upon what they're saying. And um, for me, it's very simple. It's like in a, in a marriage. Yeah? Um, uh, you're in this together. In a partnership, both sides have to have fun. And I started to realize very, very soon and very early that we had lots of fun in this partnership. So let's continue this partnership. And um, I will talk about this in a moment. So actually three things I'm, I'm talking about. Number, and by the way, thank you for the great introduction. That was a pure surprise. I, usually I say, my name is Reiner, I'm 27 years old, and I'm a student. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> I am 27 years old at SAP, and I'm a student. Um, still. And the journey continues. And this is what I want to talk about today, the journey. How does it start? How did it start? Why did it start? Um, my personal learnings, and of course, this is a knowledge transfer session. I'm not sure if Bill said this to you, so, so you will learn something, hopefully. And then in the end, the third thing is, let's see if I come to an end. Okay, um, I'll, I brought some numbers to show you what, what the journey um, with the Masters and Consalia in Middlesex University was actually all about. So why an SAP Master program? Um, and I hear the words of my mother-in-law who said, Rainer, with 50 years old, you want to go back to university? Are you crazy? I said, dear Gabi, it's, I'm not 50 yet. I will be 50 by the time I graduate, hopefully. Um, but, you know, learning is a lifelong journey and it's not about words. It's really about demonstrating that. And in 27 years at SAP, I was always in sales or in sales-related roles. And the last 12 years, I was in sales leadership development. And now I am in customer success transformation programs. So the reason why I'm thrilled and passionate about learning is you need to have an open mindset towards the future. You need to be 
open for something that you don't even know will come in the future. And you realize very soon when you see someone who does not have an open mindset, yeah, who's stuck in old thinking. And we have these people. And it's, it's sometimes good to have them because they're challenging you. But having an open mindset is very important in this personal journey. It's all about something they call action-based research. Ooh. I thought I have to read um, literature and then summarize it and come up with some smart ideas. No, it's action-based research. So really, really interesting approach where I, as a practitioner, am asked to bring in my expertise and create something new and maybe create a legacy or an artifact or something that helps the organization move forward. Oh, what could that be? I had no idea in the beginning. Um, of course, the Master of Science degree is something you can take away for life. Yeah, this is something that, that you achieve for yourself and you can tell your mother-in-law, hey, so look at this, yeah, and she has the picture on her desk. Um, that's one argument, but more important, it's really to get to a new level of professional mastery, especially in sales. Because where are the sales professionals who went through um, some kind of sales development journey in their lives? Where are they? We, we're asking ourselves the question. So, so this is very important to get to the, to, the higher, to the highest level of mastery. And that learning journey never stops. That is my passion. All right, so I thought about what am I doing in this master's program here? Axel Ferrerol, who was on my team back then, who invented this program, who was working with Phil to create it. Um, he said, Rainer, mm, I want to move forward with this master's program. Now that I'm in your team, I just let you know that I will move forward to it with it. And I said, well, Axel, I just want to let you know that I don't have any budget for it. And he said, Rainer, don't worry, I'll find it. What? This is a very costly thing. He said, Rainer, don't worry. As long as I have your commitment and executive endorsement, I'll continue. You, you will see, you will need zero budget on this. All right. He made the surprise happen every year ever since. And he's continuing this. And I was really thrilled about this attitude, this open mindset, this thinking of possibilities. So that was, that was another learning in itself. And it was also really interesting to see that he used some of my slides, which I then saw in the master's program while I was going through it. I thought, I know this slide. Okay. <laughs> So what was the topic? Digital, no, sales, leadership, and the digital future. And I remember uh, an American colleague who said, we need to be more digital, we need to talk digital, we need to think digital, we need to sell digital, we need to digital, digital. Uh, what is he talking about? What is digital? I have no idea. So first thing I did was a little bit of research on what is digital and why is it important for leadership? So the first thing I thought was when was it invented? And the first, Reference I could find was from a guy called Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz in the year 1703. He was a mathematician. He was a psychologist. He was a he was he had majors in biology, 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 chemistry. God knows what he he was a transdisciplinarity per se, and he invented a concept that tried to um, model the world in ones and zeros. That's the digital concept. So it's either this state or that state. All right, and then later on, mainframes were built and computers came up. And then this person, um, Steve Jobs, changed the way people do business by inventing the iPhone, which brought um, uh, consumers you know, a new way of engaging in, in real business, in transactions, purchasing something from, from your home at any point in time, wherever you are. 
so that was a major, major thing. And and of course, you see from this from the year 1703 to 2007, um, things have moved on and progressed and got faster and faster and faster. And speed is key. Yeah, but speed is overwhelming people. So what does the end user of the future look like? Is it going to be artificial intelligence? Is it going to be some kind of machine? Will I be replaced? That conversation is not new. I found um, newspaper articles from London from the year 1800 something that were talking about that exact problem. So it's again, not a new problem, but it becomes bigger and bigger as we go because things are going faster and faster. What does this mean? This means we are living in a VUCA world. Who has heard the term VUCA already before? All of you? Now, this is really fascinating for a couple of reasons. Imagine you're driving down the road and it's getting dark and, you know, the weather's getting really, really, really nasty and bad and you're driving towards this lighting and, and it's just it's incredible. It's awful. It's just you don't know where to go. Your navigation system doesn't work. You're in a foreign environment. You simply don't know what to do. Ah, that's exactly the situation of sales leaders these days. Many times, very often. I talk to many of them. So living in a VUCA world means, uh, of course, volatility. Uh, there's high speed and unpredicted and unexpected challenges. Uncertainty. Uncertainty is the killer number one when you talk to your, uh, to your team members, when you talk to your customers. Uncertainty is something that needs to be addressed. Complexity. Oh, my goodness, I cannot understand anything anymore. And, of course, ambiguity. Uh, the world becomes blurry and fuzzy and we don't really know how to make decisions or executive decisions or how to deal with the situation in the family. It's not just only business related. It's something very personal. And that's another reason why this fascinates me so much because so many things I can apply in my real life. And I do know people outside of SAP. I have friends who have normal jobs. And um, so imagine the world would look like this. Very nice and sunny. There are some clouds. Everything's blooming. And there's a nice road ahead, slightly curved, and it's really pleasant. Imagine you can move from the VUCA world to uh, what, what Bob Johansson of the Institute for the Future, and this institute exists, Institute for the Future, calls VUCA Prime. And the core concept is to move from volatility to vision. Now, as sales managers, of course, Gotta have a vision, vision statement, mission. Yeah, but be clear to focus on what you really want to achieve. Provide the context that is so important. To really provide the context. To move from uncertainty to understanding. Now, uncertainty, the killer number one. What if people would really understand what you are trying to achieve? What if you would understand what their concerns are? So it's both ways. And um, it's about unimagined perspectives. So this gaining different perspectives and being open to gain different perspectives and look at what the critics have to say for a moment and understand their arguments helps you sharpen your own perspective. Super important. Actively listening, that is easily said. Yeah? And, and it's very hard to be done, especially in a remote environment where, by the way, this is my first business trip here since March 2020. I realize people have legs. Um, being in a home um, office type of environment, um, is, is, it makes it really hard to get your point across that you want to actively listening, listen as a, as a manager, as a leader. Um, but I do not want to talk about um, that today. Moving from complexity to clarity. Oh my goodness, now I understand what he or she has in mind. Now I 
I demonstrate the different, I, I demonstrate why it's important and, and why it's important for me to gain the view of, of other perspectives. Communication and transparency is key, also easily said. The last point, moving from ambiguity to agility. Ooh, what if we do not follow the plan? What if we say, I don't even know how to move forward. Let's figure this out together. Let's test and try and, and learn by failing. And I'll come to that in a, in a moment. But these were the topics that were driving me to engage in a master project around sales leadership in the digital future. And I focus on trust. Imagine you're jumping out of a plane. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just imagine you're jumping out of a plane with a parachute on. Hopefully, you trust the person who has packed your parachute. Well, you better. Now, that's a typical situation. Moving from a, a, state, um, a situation of the known to a situation to, of the unknown. There is some risk involved and there is even um, uncertainty underneath. You don't know how to move forward. There is a big question mark. There is a challenge. There is a risk. Imagine you're replacing risk with trust. And you move from the known to the unknown, bridging the risk through trust. That is called the trust leap. And a trust leap occurs when you're doing something completely different in a way that you've never done it before. Interesting. And then I thought, let's interview managers. Let's interview experienced leaders. Let's interview digital natives. Let's interview CEOs of startup companies. Let's get the external, the internal. Let's get different views on the same topic. What is the most important thing for leaders in sales or in business on an executive level? And my assumption was trust is key. Trust is the underlying foundation of everything. And I thought, let's dig a little bit deeper. Okay. And what I found out, especially talking to um, CEOs of um, startup companies, um, disruption is not only a phenomenon that, that, is a, that imposes a risk to your business. Disruption is also something that can help your business. Because when you're disrupting a market, then you're becoming innovative. When you're becoming innovative, you may become successful. Now, a growth mindset, seeing the glass half full, not half empty, is important to be innovative and to move forward in a way where you don't even know. Will I achieve what I have envisioned? So the leader of the future needs to be a role model to accomplish all these different aspects. And that is a very complicated task. And what is so complicated about it? Um, it's about how do you engage with people? So communication is absolutely important. Now, I just recently learned that my original thinking was not quite right. I thought, oh, I, as a good leader, I need to make sure that whatever I tell others, yeah, the message, I need to make sure that the message comes across. That's good communication. Mm. I can go further. In this kind of context, I need to go further because if I want to communicate in a, in a leadership role model type of way, I want to make sure that the experience of the other, by me communicating to the other person, makes that other person come up with new ideas and something that helps me to gain a different perspective. So we are engaging in a communication process that brings us to higher levels of insights. Then we're talking about a new level of communication. Super interesting and maybe something to look forward to in a doctorate research. 
Um, and social connections, it's that, that all the, the um, digital natives came off with the social connection. Oh, we need to use social media and so on and so forth. Do you really? Really? Is it? Is that so important? Or is it an understanding of how we want to engage? And it's not so, so important, um, the, the technology that we are using. And finding that out in, um, in your relationship with people, in your communication is extremely important. Now, what I also learned um, from the digital natives was, hey, for every please, where you tell me, please do something for me, I usually say please. Yeah. Uh, others say, get this done. So for every please we hear from you, I want to, we want to hear a thanks. Oh, why is that? Yeah, because we want to get appreciation. Because if we're not appreciated, we, we move on. Digital native thinking. Oh, that's probably a topic for another doctorate research, maybe. Um, and then um, discovery. 1995, I was in Auckland, New Zealand, one of my biggest vacation at the time, four weeks um, off in my new job at SAP. And I was walking through Auckland and I tried to find the city center. So I took the map and I went on walking. I was young, still wanted to walk. I couldn't find the city center. I could not find it. And I, while I was standing there puzzling, where is the right way? Somebody, you know, one of the um, New Zealanders asked me, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm trying to find the city center. And he looks at the map, he looks at me, he looks at the map, he looks at me, starts laughing incredibly loud. I'll never forget that moment. He takes the map out of my hands, turns it around upside down. and says, now you'll find it. Of course, in the Southern hemisphere, the sun is not in the South, it's in the North. And I was using the sun, like I'm always used to how to read a map. I had to put it upside down. And I just thought, oh my God, this is, this is learning for life. And later on, I spent three years um, living in Australia. I never got it right. Yeah, never got it right. I said, if, if I believe I need to go that way, it's probably that. So it was always the other direction. True story. Now, um, what it means here, be open for craziness. And I went to um, one of these startup organizations and I saw an org chart on the wall. And this org chart was upside down. The leader, the CEO was at the bottom and the rest of the organization was on top. And I said, why did you do that? And he said, because without my people, I cannot achieve anything. I'm the least important person. That's a different way of thinking. That's a different perspective. And I thought, hmm, hmm, good point. Maybe I should remember, I'm not so important. It's the people who are doing it. So providing context, why they are so important and what they are doing is so important. It's another leadership lesson. So I, I learned a lot. Uh, in my discovery process throughout the masters. And um, then the question came up, all right, how, how does this materialize? What can we do at SAP? What can we learn? What, I can't, what can I do to, to do things differently? And, and how can I engage with sales leaders and bring them to a higher level, hopefully? So we said, let's, let's use this in our enablement programs for sales leaders across the world. We're talking about um, 1,200 people. And we developed a program um, and since then, we developed a couple of programs. But this was the first one called VUCA Prime, for obvious reasons. And uh, it started with you as a manager, you as a leader. It continued with customer focus. Yeah? So why, what's important for the customers? And what are, what are the important aspects of, of management and leadership? Then focus on the team, on the most important people, because they get the job done. And then bring all of this together in a, in a leadership kind of environment where 
you, you really make sure that you find your own way and your own style because you cannot learn leadership from a textbook. It doesn't work or from a workshop. So you have to find your own way of doing things. And that includes how you engage with your leaders, how you manage up. It's not just you and, and yourself and, and your team. It's also how, how do you play with the ecosystem? How do you find the right people um, uh, to engage with? And then, of course, at SAP, we measure everything. So, of course, for this program, we measured qualitative KPIs like Net Promoter, Net Promoter Score and qualitative KPIs, um, operations like uh, revenue, time to value, win rate, revenue uh, opportunities, pipeline, all these kind of things. And we came up with a dashboard. SAP is known for dashboards. By the way, do you know what SAP is doing? Dashboards is one of them. Uh, so we created the dashboard for, for these programs. And, and then we used... Um, um, the ROI methodology of a company called Philips. Um, and that was the isolated effect of training to generate additional revenue that otherwise would not have been generated. The isolated effect of training. That was the reason why SAP moved on with these kind of programs and not a net promoter score and, oh, it was the best program we've ever seen. No, it was really the quantitative effects. That was the isolated effect of the training. And we continued, we, we won the Stevie Award, we won the Brandon Hall Gold Award for innovative uh, sales programs and all these kind of things, which motivated my team even further to go beyond this. And in the meantime, we have created two other additional new programs uh, to reflect all the latest insights that we have gathered through our research. Two of my team members, one of them went through the masters already, another one is currently in it. Um, all the insights that we are gaining through our own research are included here, as well as the insights that we gain from running these sessions. So even that is a learning experience in itself. Uh, and it brings us to higher levels of knowledge and experience every time we run it. So it's a, it's a model that, that evolves over time. And we will continue. That's, that's for sure. Now, that was the final situation where we said, yes, we did it. And it took us two years. So in 2020, my wife had already organized tickets for the soccer event. We had Wimbledon tickets and we had the graduation in the same week. Same week. That was awesome. And then the pandemic hit us. We had to wait for two years. Now, that party was even better after two years. Um, but that was the end. And that's one of the reasons. But the journey to get there was also extremely important. And, and I will never forget... I'm scared of horses and the horse you see here, I made the horse go backwards. I made the horse turn in circles backwards. I managed, I led the horse. Unimaginable experience. Of course, we played some real tennis. I've, I flew a plane, all kinds of great experiences throughout the learning journey. I didn't fly it. Um, but, but we learned a lot and, and we met in Waldorf. And this, this was one of the scary moments with, uh, that Phil was referring to earlier. <clears throat> So here's uh, the commercial break. Yeah, of course, every good presentation also has a commercial break. So after the master's program, we went through this Consalia program, Finding Your Written Voice, delivered by Chris, Dr. Christine Eastman, who will be here later today. And um, many of our master's students um, actually participated. It's about how to learn to write in a different way, learn about different styles of writing, about different uh, stylistic elements and these kind of things, going through some literature, some of them really hard to read for non-native speakers. But anyway, a great experience to really find your own way how you, how you 
try to explain your thinking and try to get your topics across. That's part of communication. So talk to Christine Eastman later on or to me or Phil. Um, that was the foundation to move on in the learning journey after the master. So my journey ahead, what does it look like? Um, sometimes there is nice weather. Sometimes there will be high waves. Sometimes I will not really know where I'm going. I had these moments already. But one thing is for sure. Um, I, will I will continue my learning experience every single day. And um, whatever it is uh, that I learn, uh, I capture it. I write it down. I tend to forget things. Yeah, I'm at the age where you, you're forgetting stuff. It's just imagining. Un unbelievable. So learning um, will continue. Um, I learned a new way of looking at the world to gain different perspectives. Going back to Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz, yeah, the first transdisciplinarian. So transdisciplinary research asks you to look at things from different perspectives, to look at what do psychologists talk, what do they say about trust? What do um, other professions say about trust? And what are their views of the world? Is there um, some mathematic formula around trust? Believe me, there is. It is unbelievable. So looking at things from a completely different perspective, trying to get everything together and, and making sense out of it, even though you may think, oh, I'll never get any sense out of it, that is transdisciplinary research. Really, really interesting. Took me quite some time to understand the concept, but um, this will continue, especially as, as someone who is in business and who's, who's running um, management and leadership sessions all the time. And then after... I, Maybe that came across that I'm super passionate about what I'm doing because I'm super passionate about learning and every person helps me to learn. So every person every day uh, helps me in my passion and in my way moving forward. Now, some of us in the master programs decided to not only write the master thesis, but to also um, write a book together. So 10 of us came together with the help of Dr. Christine Eastman and said, let's publish a book about say it's leadership transformation. How great is that? And it's going to be published next year. Yes, we're so excited. Um, uh, what else have we done? We have created an alumni group so that all the master students come together on a regular basis and continue to exchange what they have learned in the meantime. Um, what we are going to do, well, the, the doctorate study or the doctorate program, the, the DPROF that I'm now doing with uh, transdisciplinary research, um, is a continuation of, of my program. Will it end there to wear this ridiculous looking hat? Or maybe it will continue as well. Who knows? Um, I'm very passionate, very open to that. So it's an, it's an open-ended journey, um, but it's a very exciting journey. And I can, only, I can only get the message across that if you allow yourself to engage in something like that, what, what you will receive in the end is much higher than your initial investment. And you're actually not thinking in terms of investment. It's, it's not easy. Of course, it took some time, um, but it was worth more than every single minute that I invested. And before I go into the numbers, uh, I wanted to pause for a moment and, and see if you have any questions. How long was your study? Two and a half years. Um, so there was, we, it was set up in a very interesting way. We, we had certain focus topics and wrote certain project papers on each topic. 
And then we decided on a master thesis um, topic and divided that topic into six different sections and were focused on one section each. We could leverage some of the original research, the projects that we have done, and then put together the final master thesis. So it was a very, very condensed way of learning, of writing something, of learning, writing, and so on. And then we, we put everything together in the end and then made one thesis out of it. And um, the beauty of it was there were no tests or anything like that involved. It was just us writing and studying. The other thing that was very important was uh, the exchange among the group. Um, so not only receiving feedback, but also some hints, tips and tricks from others um, in this learning environment. Yeah. yeah. Did you travel to, to London for it or were you based in London? I was very lucky. I'm located in Germany. I was very lucky that I could travel every time. So we had um, six times for the six modules in the beginning. And then we actually met each other a couple of times afterwards. So I was going back and forth always for two, three days uh, maximum to, to meet the team. Most of the team members um, were able to travel as well. So I was the lucky one to, who could actually be here in person. And that was very important for me uh, in this whole experience. So if there is any travel possibilities, that's, that's always extremely helpful. But it can be done online and in, in a virtual way. Can be done. Is there an equivalent in Germany? I haven't seen anything. No. I mean, for a German company, a German-based company, it would be very easy to jump on something uh, from Germany. I haven't seen anything like that. No. Yes? What would your mind be like if you didn't do the bathroom? Very boring. <laughs> and I was, I was in a situation where I thought, hey, what's my next step in my career? Am I looking outside? Am I looking inside? What am I going to do? And then this, this came as a, a rescue, sort of. And, and since then, I, I know much clearer what I want and I know much clearer where I want to go. I know now, since I have experienced what I can do, uh, I can achieve much more. So it's, it's not only that I know where to go, it's also what I'm doing, I'm doing in a completely different way. And I believe um, I'm adding much more value to my team, much more value to the company and I'm having way more fun. Oh, the German talking about fun is not a concept that you're familiar with. But I'm having lots more fun and, and I enjoy what I'm doing. And, and I don't know what the future will bring. That's why the thesis of my doctorate future will be leadership in the unforeseeable future. Yeah. How do we deal with things that you cannot imagine will happen, like a pandemic or a war or something crazy like that? How do you deal with, with, with the, the uncertainty, yeah? going back to the VUCA VUCA prime model? Uh, that's what fascinates me. But what was the uh, selection process within SAB for getting on to the last year? Number one, you should be a sales manager uh, or sales leader, um, first liner. And we also invited some second line managers. Um, it had to be nominated by, by your executive management. I mean, it had to have executive endorsement. That's the first criteria. The second criteria is um, to have a mix um, of people from different regions. When I talk region, I mean Asia, China, um, EMEA. Um, Central EMEA and uh, North America, Latin America, if possible, to have a mix. Uh, and then the commitment of, of the students uh, to really do something for two and a half years and to stay there and to be committed until the end. I was lucky that I was nominated as a non-sales leader at the time, but I was doing sales leadership enablement and, and these type of development programs. So. That was probably the, the, the second important criteria. It has to be related to the role. We had some people from, from marketing as well. So there were some exceptions to the rule. 
You've spoken about your learning journey. Um, what are you doing on a day to day? What's your role? What I'm doing in terms of learning or what I'm doing in my role? In my role. Um, so I'm responsible for a global team, small global team. Um, and we are developing, creating, executing, measuring uh, sales leadership enablement programs. Now we are focusing beyond sales. We're focusing on pre-sales, sales and, um, and services. So the whole customer facing uh, roles at SAP worldwide. So it's around 1,200 uh, people that, that we are looking um, at. And um, it's about transformational programs. It's about engaging with these type of leaders in a completely different way so that they understand how they should um, develop themselves to move forward in their role. Mm. So we are doing crazy, crazy things like uh, the power to say no. That's one of the sessions that we started to run in. Asia. What? I've been there. Yeah. You don't say no. The power of saying no is one of the programs we run there and we, we test and it, 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 it's unbelievable. The cultural differences and the culture shock that we are confronted with. But we found a way somehow, I, I have a very smart team. Uh, we found a way to, to engage with these leaders and, and show them, hey, there, there are additional options. There are different perspectives. There are ways of saying no, even if you don't say no. Um, uh, we are also engaging in completely different ways. We had to change from a pure face-to-face -face model to a pure virtual model. It was um, Friday the 13th in March 2020 yeah. when the message hit me. So starting Monday, everybody had to stay home, everybody. And within three weeks, my team managed to convert the whole Sales Leadership Academy program, which we have on different levels towards mastery, the SAP Master is one part of it, um, into a virtual um, uh, academy three weeks and we started to execute after like five weeks and we learned so much and, and it's much better today than it was back then, but, but we had to engage in different ways. And one way after a year when everybody was talking about Zoom fatigue, oh, we're so tired of dialing in and remote sessions. Um, we created a program for safe leaders, um, completely virtual for three days, three days in a row. Everybody said, it's not going to work. We did make it work. Net promoter score of 100. Every person who went through it said, this is, this is unbelievable. How did we do it? Um, you know, Phil would ask for money um, uh, to share this kind of information. But I'm, I'm just saying we, we did it in a completely unconventional way. Yeah? We, everything you are used to, we did not. We completely turned it upside down. So that's one of the messages yeah, I had um, um, that we applied. Yeah? Turn it upside down. So there is no agenda, there is no PowerPoint in a virtual session. Yeah. Of course we have an agenda, of course we have PowerPoint, of course we have content, but we do it in a completely different way. So we are sketching, we're interviewing, we're breaking out um, by saying, everybody stop the session now, go outside, talk to a person of your selection, these type of things. So we're doing everything completely in an unconventional way. Everybody said it's not going to work. Everybody wants to have the program today. We ran it for one year. It's unbelievable. I don't have enough execution power to do that, which is a good problem to have. How many people were in those sessions? Uh, around, so um, in one session we had up to 15 people. That's what you can manage in breakout rooms and stuff like that. We had very small sessions of five or six, um, and we ran it 13 times um, this year, um, which is not a lot. 
we could do more, but then, you know, people need to be committed. We, we had sessions before. If, if you cannot attend for one single day, don't, don't, don't participate. Yeah. So we really ruled them out. Those were our criteria. Yeah? You, you either are committed for three days, you know, in a row or you're don't, don't participate. It doesn't, doesn't really help. And, and afterwards people said it should have gone five days. All right, no, I'm not going there, <laughs> not this time. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are all examples of what came out of, you know, the study of saying, all right, turn everything upside down is one of your key learnings. That's what we apply. That's what we do. The unconventional way. We disrupt the training market as an example. So maybe I'm already preparing my next career after SAP. Um, but in retrospective of the program, maybe I should share the numbers because Phil wants me to ask uh, to answer the question. Okay, well, what in total, you know, is the SAP Master Program? What does it look like? And I brought some numbers. So um, since 2011 to 2022, we had 11 cohorts, um, more than 100 first-level leaders going through this, coming from 30 countries. 50% of the participants got promoted once. 20% got promoted twice or more often than that. And 495, more than 495 research papers were written, 16 external publications. Um, I did two of those. Um, the book is coming, so there's more to come. I'm one of four students to advance in the doctorate. Um, that is um, a new way. We're a pilot group um, of participating in the DPROF program at Middlesex University uh, in a complete remote way, by the way, it works. Um, and this year we have 22 new master students coming from different, different countries, different cultural backgrounds. Um, so these are the numbers behind the program. Um, but more important than these numbers are the people behind the program, the people who run it, the people who use the insights to optimize it and, and continue, um, but also the people who participate, who act as ambassadors who act as different thinkers, who act as unconventional thinkers, and uh, who really bring uh, new ways of doing uh, sales and doing leadership to their teams and others. Uh, and that's one of the big goals of, of the program, um, to really start the learning journey for these people, and it will never end. And um, one of my co-students, uh, Christina Ricaute, who is Colombian, speaks German and lives in Spain. Yeah. She's one of those who got promoted three times. Yeah. And she wrote about um, uh, leadership with a heart. Oh my God, that is really a different way of looking at leadership for a moment. And if you get to know her, she embodies exactly that leadership with a heart. And uh, it's great to see, and, and she's much younger than I am, but it's great to see these are the next level leaders um, that we are, well, in program terms, producing. Yeah. But, um, that we are encouraging to go this step um, so that not only the company has a value of it, but the people in the company uh, get some value from these individuals. So that's the exciting, that, that's the passionate side of things. So these are the numbers and um, I come to an end. This concludes um, my little presentation. So if you have any questions, I'm here all day. And thank you so much for being here. It was a true pleasure and um, very honored. And I'm here for you if you have any questions. And um, yeah, thank you, Phil, again, um, to bring the scary German over to, <laughs> to London. Um, my first visit in a long time. Really enjoyed it. And um, if I can help in any shape and form after today's event, I'm happy to do so. 
Thank you very much. Can we give Brian a round? Uh,